Hello, hello. You're listening to the Stew. I am Jason Stewart. Andre Canaparo, say hello. Hello. We uh, we are we're squeezing in one more pod before the end of 2017. Because we care. Because we care. Because I couldn't bear. We, we care a lot. We care a lot. Is that Chili Peps? Or is that Faith No More? Faith No More. Faith brother. No More. Great band, guys. Is it? We don't know. But it's with, uh, I always forget his name, it's with the original lead singer. Pre-Patton. Yeah. Pre-Patton. Yeah. Old heads will know. Yeah. My mom knows. She knows about that one. I've, she was into that That way would blow before. my mind. <laughs> if she could just flex on us no, I a mean, name she, that we should both know she and can't come up with. She has a CD from that band at some point in, the, in time, but that's as far as her knowledge goes, unfortunately. It was either that or Fishbone. She chose wisely. <laughs> Damn right, I'm yeah. When my when Stewie yeah Stewie's not here. R.I.P. Stewie's on a culinary family adventure in Europe. He's currently in France for like one more day before he flies back for the holiday season in America, where where the real holidays go down. Except I was looking at videos of him like driving in uh, a classic Ford Mustang through the winding hills of Marseille. And then I'm just like at home sick watching Okja on Netflix and eating pho that my friends are nice enough to bring me. What's Okja? Okja. I'm glad you asked. It's a, it was a movie that came out earlier this year on Netflix about Jake Gyllenhaal's in it and Tilda Swinson. And it's about this young uh, Korean girl who gets gifted a genetically modified pig oh okay i've seen this trailer uh it's a it's a sweet movie the movie is not very good it's kind of a shitty movie Gyllenhaal hall is awful in it he's awful in it it was alarming how bad he was in it but it was it was one of those movies where you can tell it's like a a nice propaganda showing how awful like the it made me want to be vegan after watching it mm-hmm. it was like showing the parallels of how the genetically modified mass meat industry, factory farming, all the evils of it. And when I was watching it, I was like, damn, this is horrible. I really should go vegan. I've been eating so many sweet potatoes lately. I'm already here. And then the next day, my friend was like, hey, are you sick? I'll bring you some pho. And I was like, cool, extra tendon, please. And uh, rare, rare brisket. Thank you. Yeah. And I just ate. I ate my third bowl of pho this week, right before here. Bad man. I mean, it's all it's all I crave when I'm feeling sniffly. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I mean, we're off the ramen in 2018. It's pho three days a week. Yeah, I never. Yeah, nah, never want that. Usually, <laughs> even when I'm not sick, especially when I'm not sick. What, what are what are your um, what are your sick remedies? I, I've I've been healthy enough to whittle it down to I get sick only twice a year. I used to get sick all the time. Remember when we were living together? I was always fucking sick. Yes. Um. What are the, I don't know. I mean, I there, I don't have any secrets. Yeah. I mean, I feel like just chug water and sleep. Healthy non-stop. eating, rest. Um, you know, it's probably an old wives' tale, but a shot of whiskey at some point sometimes can push you over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like a hot toddy when, like, at some point, usually like a little bit before, like when you're getting sick. I when feel you have like to drink. Well, I I did I in that vein I did uh, I did an amazing thing recently. Wow, horseradish! Can't wait to hear this amazing thing. Horseradish infused vodka. Amazing, that's, and that's for uh, Bloody Marys, buddy. You having a bloody buddy? I was having a, a Russian themed meal, mm. and there was infusions abound. But the the horseradish one, you just get a ball of vodka, and you just put some chunks of horseradish root in there for like a day, and you take them out. You don't even have to like grate it or crush it or anything. And the flavor of horseradish is so incredibly infused in it. It was just like drinking like. Gasoline in the best way possible. You just feel it opening up all the little pores inside your throat, and you feel it like going into your chest and lungs. And it was invigorating. I felt very alive. It's a potent root. It's a potent root. I think for sure infuse your your vodka with horseradish, and then it's 
It's yeah, it's like, just a no-brainer, 2018. It's a no-brainer. Just throw the horseradish but you know, right in there. Like, whenever you go out with your friends and you get, like, we're going to get these, like, ginger cayenne face melter shots, and everyone's like, all right, we're going to drink it. Oh, it's so crazy. Or, like, do a shot of... Uh, yeah, I don't have friends that do that. Of the uh, <laughs> oil of oregano. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just, like, challenging, fun, difficult things to swallow that aren't illegal drugs or alcohol, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, an over-the-counter head rush that you can get from infused horseradish vodka. I highly recommend it. It, yeah. it gets the party started. I'm trying to think um, what else is like that. I've had black pepper-infused vodka that was kind of an eye-opener. I mean, look, at the end of the day, horseradish is just spicy, right? Sure is, baby. So, you know, anything that's going to add that kind of rush to it is going to wake you up. And I liked it. Yeah. Oh man, did I like it? Well, we have a bunch of um, we have a bunch of great questions that I fielded from the from Instagram DMs. One last push for the year, and and our, our Stu listeners really excelled this week with questions. Good job, guys. Normally, Thank you. normally, you know, there'll be a couple good ones here and there, and we can we can squeeze some we can squeeze some life out of your shitty questions, but. Over the last 24 hours, I I was like, damn, you guys really pulled out for 2017 going into the 9-9-2000. I, I also want to ask you, Andre, about New Year's Eve stuff. Mm-hmm. I need I need to find out some, maybe our listeners can send me, like some New Year's Eve fun food celebratory things that aren't going to like break the bank like caviar and things like that. Sure. Like, in Asian cultures, I know, like, noodles are for, like, birthdays and, and to celebrate longevity and things like that. Is yep. what, Do you know if there's anything like that for New Year's that mm-hmm. could be a little on the cheaper side? What about a uh, chocolate fondue table? <laughs> chocolate, you mean like a fountain? Yeah. Ch- I, that's not cheap either. No. And those are dumb. How about I saw, I a saw, cheese fondue table? I've never done a fondue properly like that. No, me neither. I'm kind of curious, though. I mean, <laughs> let's see. There's too much hardware involved. I don't... It's, it, <laughs> Sorry if I'm coughing, by the way, guys. I'm straight up sick. I feel like it's a hard call because there are people that do stuff for New Year's, and there are people that kind of go other places for New Year's. And I've always... You go to the dark place? Hopefully not. Maybe. But I think it's... I don't have any New Year's traditions in that way. Neither do I, but I'm trying to make some. um, Do you want something that is going to kind of flex on everybody? Or do you want something that involves everybody's participation? I'm just looking for something that's like the champagne and caviar, but for something that that... more people can afford, perhaps. So you're talking like a Backwoods Blunt and some LaCroix. <laughs> Somewhere in between those those four things lies what I'm looking for. Maybe the answer is in like a nice sake, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe it's like a luxury yeah, but you could spend... pork ingredient of some kind, a different kind of seafood Sure, but everything everything that you're mentioning is as much as you want to expend on it, right? Yeah. You spend a grand on a bottle of sake if you want to. You can know. buy a forty dollar a pound pork loin roast if you want to. So it's, I, I think you want to start with the kind of experience you want to have, whether it's cooking for people or cooking with people or light bites instead of a sit down meal if you want something that people can just hover around and snack on. And sh- then you go from there. It should just be mushrooms. Just, or just, just I think just Salmon moose puffs. <laughs> That's where I go. <laughs> Have you had a gooseberry before? Yeah, I think so, but I couldn't pick one out. It looks like a yellow cherry tomato. No, I was thinking more like... I had one a couple days ago. I couldn't tell what it tastes. It tastes somewhere between a persimmon and a, and a yellow tomato. Also, dis- maybe. dyslexically... I'm going to answer that with maybe. Dyslexically speaking, I always want to call persimmons permissions. I've never seen the word look like that to me. But it, and some people it, it, it write, checks out. And some people will spell Parmesan 
like chicken parmesan, the way you would spell oh. permission. I've never per- seen permission. That. <laughs> That's yeah. Those are just fun. That's little, not the right way to do it. Those, those are just fun little things. Well, let's get into it. What's your ideal New Year's Eve? I don't. I mean, I had a great one last year. What was last? Oh, were you up in? You're up at the lake. I was up in Lake Arrowhead. Yeah. Some little bit of shrooms, clueless on TV. Yeah. Watch the snow come down. You know, cook a little nice steak and and potatoes kind of meal at home. That's right. I'm remembering the story now. That was good. That was a good one. Because, you know, driving around on New Year's Eve, the Ubers. That's a party of two. That's a party of two. But it can also be done with a party of four. Maybe. You you could do that with with an intimate group of couples, I would say. Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? Um... I, it depends on how big the cabin is, you know what I'm saying? Well, then you just need four people to all want to do that. So I guess if everybody's on the same page, subscribes to it, and doesn't get a bad mood in the middle of it, where it's like, <laughs> I don't want to watch fucking Clueless. I forgot. I don't like this movie. That's, and then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that can be the trouble with uh, with those destination situations. Right. You just You just can't get any party poopers. Yeah. I've removed all party poopers from my life. Really? Except for you. I was going to say, I'm sitting right across from you. <laughs> you're, you're enough pooper for... You're 10 people's worth of poopers. There you go. In a five-pound sack. Wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we got some questions, pooper. First Let's one, go. Jamie Strong of uh, Innovative Leisure, great record label, had a great year this year. He, uh, he says... Where can you find Wisconsin deep fried cheese curds in LA? And I told him, you're probably just going to have to, we're going to have to fry them up ourselves because that's not really something I see on the menu. Have you had the fried cheese curds before? Not in LA. Um, but you've had them, period. Yes. You have had them. What mm-hmm. do you feel? You, do you like the toothsome squeak that they produce? It doesn't bother me. But do you, pref- do you enjoy it? I kind I of know. like it in a weird way. I like that squeak from the curd. Just right on those front teeth. I was in Green Bay, Uh-oh. and th- we ate a lot of that for like four days over the course of. It's a lot. It was a job out there at, at with uh, with the Packers, and it was. It's basically they really want you to eat them when you go out there. It's like the first thing somebody wants you to eat because it's like, oh, but it's also like they one of those, foods. which is weird because it's. Um, it's great, you know, it's really great stuff, (laughs) but like when you go to certain regions of the world and they bring you their delicacies, you're like, wow, that's incredible. Like y'all are fat as hell. You guys hang this like Hamon Serrano in a cave for seven years. That's incredible. It's like, this is 10% of its original weight. Wow. (laughs) They're like, Hey, we fried these cheese things and put them in paper on a plastic (laughs) basket. What kind of beer do you want to drink? And you're like, <laughs> cool. Uh, well, there's that, and I also, but and also the uh, the cheese curd feels like when when places find a way to market the byproduct waste into some into like a viable commodity, like the cheese curds are something that where it's like I don't like nobody really eats them except for in that situation. It hasn't struck out across the land the way that stone crab has, per se. <coughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's weird, too. Cheese curds are, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know that much about them in the sense of their lore and history, but it's weird that it's like the Midwest and then Canada is super into them. Mm-hmm. Canada, um, the Midwest of North America, though. Also, America's hat. And there's like that place, uh, Smokes Poutine, which is fairly popular in Canada, or at least in like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and they opened one out here in Hollywood. I don't know if it stayed open, but it was it was like it was the most garbage poutine ever. <laughs> it was like they, I mean, it was like a, it was literally the same restaurant or the same chain, mm-hmm. the same branding, same everything. It wasn't like somebody tried to copy the name, and it resembled nothing of not only like the smokes poutine, which is not the best, but it's, if you eat it like in Toronto, it's fine. It's good. So it's like when you go to and the they air- brought it here and just like shoveled like asparagus pee on a trash fire and this was like here you go this is a canadian delicacy and i feel bad i felt bad i was like 
Don't think that's poutine. It's like when you, uh, I, I had, I tried, you know, I, I ate in and out at a, at a, but it was at JFK, and it wasn't. And you're like, oh, you did that? No, I'm saying, I like, was like, holy shit, that's a thing. Like going to a going to yeah. a beloved restaurant, yes. but at the airport, like you're going to get the shitty version of it. So I say, Jamie Strong. We're going to have to make our own. And I, w- I was asking, like, what do you dip those into? Because that, that part kind of scares me, too. I'm sure ranch. Yeah, he said, you, you know, it's, it's pret- a, you know, cheese, pret- honey cheese, mustard. Beer, pretzel, sauce. Mm, I'm, I'm going to find a way to get these curds going in a more palatable what L.A. sexy way. What's weird to me about the, I mean, and also there's plenty of things that I like that aren't necessarily good that have memories or from childhood but mm. cheese curds they just they're just salty and they don't have a ton of texture and there's kind of the thing I and mean, there's kind of like you like string cheese though no i like a string cheese i find maybe cheese, cheese curds and very similar in how it's kind of tasteless cheese curd is more, uh string cheese is more melty though and i like string cheese inside of a tamale mm-hmm. so maybe we're going cheese curds inside of the tamale my our brothers to the south, let me know if you've ever tried that. That's how we bring North America North America and South America together. If you've ever if the brothers to the south <laughs> tamale with have curds. ever done that? Oh, tamale curds. Cheese oh, curds inside the tamale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be almost as uninteresting as string cheese. For sure. String cheese and tamale is glorious. It it's melts popular. it it's melts good. in it's the good. perfect I'm way. It's, it's it's not bad. All right, next up, Pod Pod VIP Truett Dietz, the one and only. He sent three questions. My guy. First one, it's hitting a little too close to home. Do you ever feel like you've gone too far in the healthy boy lifestyle direction? And that is very possibly possible true. I think it is. I mean, I feel like that a lot, but I think I balance it out perfectly with eating these healthy boy meals at home. And then when I go out, I just, it's full mask off and just eat real bad boy food. Yeah, but you've turned it into a shtick, too. Like, it's your angle. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but... But how do you feel? Because you've also gone on a healthy boy journey as well. Well, I don't drink as much, but I don't know if anything else changed. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess so. No, I think we both balance it out very well. Because, like, sometimes it's like, hey, we're... I'm just like cooking up, I'm I'm smoking like a chunk of pork and we're going to eat that. And then sometimes it's steamed broccoli and quinoa. Right. And I guess you, you've been, you've been like that for a long time. So it's not really anything new. Yeah, but you don't, you don't really fuck with meat that much. Like you'll do a pork loin or a chicken. Yeah, like I'm not, I don't, won't... I don't cook that much meat at home as right. I used to. But when I go out to eat, I'm eating meat all the time. Sure. All day, but I'm just not really cooking at home. I'm not I'm not opposed to it. So the question is: Is your social media too full of healthy eating? Because that's all this person knows. Perhaps. Because if you're saying like, "Oh, that's not it at all," it's just what I brand myself with, as opposed to when I go out. <clears throat> but he may have show not... off how much I fuck up meat when I go out to eat with mm-hmm. friends. I, I don't think I've gone too far in the healthy boy direction. I, I like showing that you can you can dangle yourself off both edges of the cliff. The uh the bad boy, horrible for you, delicious food cliff, and the I'm eating another vegan bowl cliff as well. I think both of us like and walk that line. Eat healthy. And I think I meet people all the time that complain about the foods I like to eat. Like, they'll be like, ugh, my sister's vegetarian, and I had to have this fucking rice bowl. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, vegetarian rice bowls are great. Yeah. And then they'll be like, ugh, I just wish I could eat some pork belly. Be like, yeah, I like pork belly a lot, too. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's a weird, I don't think, I don't know if you've gone too far. I haven't noticed it, because I think the only time that really becomes an issue is when you're for, you're keeping yourself from doing that to eating in a certain way and then it's depressing you as opposed to enjoying it. I feel like you never complain about it. Yeah, for sure. Never complain about it. And and it's important to be healthy, <clears throat> especially as you get older and especially as we live lives uh, on, on computers and not walking around and doing stuff. 
But, you know, when your body's like, let's go get a fucking double-double and french fries, go do it. And don't get, like, a lettuce wrap burger with no fries. You got to go to In-N-Out. You got to get the, you got to get a full full fat coke, no diet coke. You got to get fries, you hey, got to hey, get super hey, sauce. Hey, 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 come on, man. You got to do it you got to do it all. Oh diet, yeah, I forgot you're Diet Coke's all right. You're a Coke Zero boy. You know who else drinks that shit? Donald Trump. No, he doesn't drink diet coke. I heard he drinks 12 diet cokes a day. And that's not Coke Zero. <laughs> Don't you try and take that from me. <laughs> coke Zero is cool. Yeah, Coke Zero is like the Bernie Sanders of Coke. Everybody knows that shit. Coke Zero is not fake news Coke. Um, All right. Well, eat less healthy then, dude. <laughs> Me? Yeah. No. No. Uh, I have, yeah, I mean, during the holidays, I have been eating very unhealthy. I th- I've been eating like shit in a great way. I mean, I get, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I just think sometimes I feel happy that I really like eating vegetables. And I'm really, and it makes me enjoy other foods even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it fire and ice. Yeah, I mean, I think yin and I yang. That's good. I don't know. I guess yeah. I guess it's more about probably what you're posting than what I see you eating in real life. Yeah, I wish you followed me on, on so you could see my postings. I will. Uh, next question: What food trends would you like to remain in 2017? What do you expect for 2018? I don't think I'm going to answer that question because that's just, it's too broad and God only knows. And that you can do a whole podcast about that and it's already giving me a headache. Sorry, sorry, TD. Um, and then he also said, which is really hard, instead of the best thing we ate all week, what's the best thing we ate all year? Wow. And that is another, like, I will need, I will need a week to sit. I like. I have to go rent a beach house and look out a window for a week to figure out the answer to that question. Wow! I don't mean it like in a sh- in a bragging way. I mean yeah. that's a difficult question to answer. We've all we've both eaten a lot of food this year, haven't we? I'd say pokey. I'd say pokey is the best thing I ate this year. <laughs> you think pokey is going to be big this year? <laughs> yeah, that was the best thing. So I ate. So maybe by the end of this episode, I'll have thought of the best thing that I ate all year. And I also, I could we could do a whole. We can do a whole episode about that. We can just go back into our chronicles and pick out ten things or something like that, whittle it down. I think, yeah, I'd have to think about it, but what pops out of my mind is Trudy's Barbecue. Mm. It's pretty mind-blowing in a way that... I'm sitting on half a rib in my fridge right now. I'll send you home with it if you're a good boy. Uh, no, it's whatever. Uh, Sure. I think I haven't had barbecue that good. Some people would in say years thanks in California. To that. Mm. Um, Andre. But I, I What's up Bert? I know you're listening. Memorable things that I've eaten this year in a way that the pastrami one or the regular one or both. The regular one. But I think to me when you eat something that that you can't get anywhere close to as good anywhere else in mm. anywhere near you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what blew my. I mean, there's incredible food in LA, but you know it kind of tends to bleed together in places and dishes and pasta mixes into proteins and you know. We can name ten really good anything's in LA, but I yeah. can't name ten excellent barbecues in no. LA. And like you can see, really incredible influences of different cultural cuisine. You know, Korean influences are showing up. I think in the way that like Mediterranean influences. You know, it's shown up in the early 2000s to me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and, and going yeah, big. there's that, but yeah. oh my God, that barbecue is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. That, but I'll, I'll think about it. And you're also just fueling the fire of all the people who are like, can you please tell him to sell me the meat? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't even, I can't get a hold of him. So I don't, yeah, put me down on that list too. Sell me, I want to give you money for meat, please. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, next question, Bob Walsh, what is the best cookie? A simple question at first, but a deep one. That's a toughie. I lo- a chocolate chip. Just I a, don't have to think about it that much. I think a plain old, well done chocolate chip cookie. Is my, I think it's a very personal question, but I don't have to think about it that much. I think you're probably right. That's it, my it's favorite. It's one of those things where it, the, the chocolate chip cookie is the margarita pizza of the cookies where like, oh, it's a good, yeah. it's, it's simple, modest. 
But when done perfectly, try and fucking beat it. I mean, is a Rice Krispie treat a cookie? I don't think it is. Yeah. I'd still probably, because I can't get Michelle's Rice Krispie treats like the way you can get a good chocolate chip cookie. So it's, it's such a, that's such a special thing because mm-hmm. I've had plenty of bad chocolate chip, I mean, uh, Rice Krispie treats. Considering I eat them wherever I can find them. Speaking of the chocolate chip cookies, chocolate chip cookie. Nicole Rucker, who was on this podcast earlier this year, maybe known as one of the best, the if pie not the, queen. the best baker and pie pie makers in Los Angeles. The world. Nay, the world on this crazy rock that we're spinning on. You know what I'm saying? She was saying, like, can we all agree to just, we don't need to put the sea salt flakes on top of the cookies and we can just, let me finish. It doesn't, and just put it in the mix, put it in the batter so it goes throughout. Like, no, but I just made, okay, that's fine. But like, I just made (laughs) what to me, what to the rest of the world is probably a very simple recipe, but it took 24 hours for me to make chocolate chip cookies that came out okay. I'm not the most (laughs) experienced baker. But they were brown butter, maladon flake, chocolate chip cookies. And they were mm-hmm. good. And I mixed it. I made sure to kind of like delicately put as much of the salt and lightly mix so the flakes would stay as big as they were. And then smash them a little bit on top. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good compromise. But I kind of like how, where she was going where everyone, as soon as like all the basic people in the world realized that we should be putting sea salt flakes on top of all of our desserts because, like, it's crazy, but it actually makes it taste good. Like, remember, like, a few years ago when all that happened, I guess her logic of thinking was, like, it might just taste better if you just put the salt in the in the mixture and it's thoroughly combined all in there, but then you can also argue, like, is it better to have a homogenized flavor throughout it or if you have little salt bombs and peaks and valleys and variants and of your dynamic range of flavor... That's an argument that will just go on until the cows come home. No, I'll settle it. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys. Yeah, for sure. And a cookie? Depends on depends on what you're talking about, but like, and it varies wildly from dish to dish. Yes, agreed. But if we're talking about chocolate chip cookie, I think you want to hopefully get as big as a flake as you possibly can because you get a lot more of that salt hit. When you have more surface area, you don't need more salt. Yeah, but you're you a salt slut. This is just from your this is from your salt head perspective. I eat raw salt. You're a salt lover. Yeah, that's true. I oversalt things. So a classic, well done chocolate chip cookie is the real answer to that one. Um, next question from Nix five two five. What is the one holiday side dish you can't live without? Asking for a friend who still hasn't decided what to bring to their Christmas. Jk, it's me. I don't know. See, that's the other thing. I my family wasn't the most traditional in the sense that like Christmas was always Christmas, but it wasn't like a huge thing. It was like you know a tree, maybe not a tree, and presents, and it was always Christmas morning. But like there wasn't like a huge feast and tree, maybe not a tree. In. Yeah, I think there were a couple of years there wasn't a tree. Damn. But it wasn't because I I didn't even know. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I mean, if I was like, hey, can we get a tree? Of course, they would we would have gotten a tree. Right. But I think. So those so, so cool and casual, you kind of paros. I love it. Well, my parents will tell you that my birthday is December 26th. They're liars. No, I'm just kidding. It is December 26th. <laughs> but, and they had a huge party on my birthday that was like 100 of their friends and like two of mine. <laughs> but they like to tell the story where it was all about huge birthday parties for me. And I was like, wow, there's a bunch of old strangers in this house smoking weed and playing drums. Oh. Cool. No. <laughs> They're also very, very fun. Damn, I feel Shout like... Shout out still and Jill and Don. I feel like I'm going to get the group text hitting when this episode goes, goes up, and your parents are going to be like, first of all, yeah, that oh, yeah. is not what happened. But no, so we had things <clears throat> that were huge parties, and we did this weird thing where we always celebrated Muddy Waters' birthday at my uncle's house, and that was a huge party. But Christmas was not. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me, like, what's the holiday side you can't live without? I have no idea. It's birthday cake. If you say Thanksgiving, I would say stuffing. Okay. I, I personally have to have stuffing and I care a lot about it. I wish that but we... But Christmas, it's like anything you want. Make lamb. I don't Lamb's think, great. I don't think, I think of lamb when it gets cold. dishes anymore. I feel like Thanksgiving and, and Christmas have blended into one meal where it's all just kind of the same. I mean... If you if the question's kind of more like unless you're ethnic, what is the dish then it's better that like your mom made 
on certain days or holidays. I don't. There's not necessarily one of those I have. She definitely made famous cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving. Shout outs, mom. Um, For me, it's it's the the Christmas morning pancakes. After uh, my mom, after after it's Pleasant's time. My mom makes the uh, the cornmeal pancakes. Mm, for that a, sounds nice for a little brunch time brunch time treat, and that's that's been a tradition in our fam. So sorry that we have not answered your question at all. It's because there isn't really an answer to it. I had an ex who had just who had a family tradition that was a very specific bread egg baked dish with green chilies and sausage and cheddar cheese like you would soak the bread and egg overnight so it was ready as soon as you woke Kinda up like a and put it in the oven like a yeah, bread pudding like breakfast baked, stuffing it's more like a baked casserole bread egg thing i don't i mean i'm sure there's a name for it Did but it was like, like it? specific it was the same every year it went in the fridge the night before it was okay I think, I mean, admittedly, everybody was like, oh, if we didn't eat this every year as kids, like, maybe we wouldn't love it. But it wasn't bad. And to me, I was like, yeah, it's good with hot sauce. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll chuck this. I feel like my dad, during the holidays, would make a rice tort that was called a torta de riso, which is an Italian baked rice thing. That's a canaparo classic. Yeah. That, those would be very common around the holidays. Oh, chest! If I had to think of one thing, like it's not a side dish, but chestnuts must be nice. My dad roasts chestnuts every morning, pretty much in the month of December. And I just yeah. I just saw them last week in Monterey, and every morning I in woke the oven up, or over an open fire. Oven. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> that'd be pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. No, in the oven. I wouldn't put it past him. It's a good chestnut, I think, is my dad's. Sucking on a coconut. Favorite thing in the entire universe. Roasting a good chestnut. Yeah. I like the, ch- the chestnut flavor is not something that we really enjoy too much over here in sunny California. Well, I don't think they, I think <laughs> domestic, domestic chestnuts are not very good. And I like the sound of domestic chestnuts, that phrase. Sure. It's a jazz ensemble I'm working with. We're the domestic chestnuts. Um, Next question. Or it could be an improv group. Oh, that's a big improv group name, right? <laughs> uh, our friend from Korea at Negnance, what the fuck is a salad? Not going to answer that question, Chris, you little son of a gun. You already know what a salad is. Red Umbrella asks, alternative flowers, when do they make sense? For an example... Is coconut flour ever the best choice, or is it just a marketing reaction to gluten-free freakouts and paleo crossfitters? It sounds like a personal question, doesn't it? Yeah, shots fired. I've never really experienced much with coconut flour. I think with alternative flours, I'm more of into just getting, still being a, a, a flour made out of grain, but it's made from an alternative grain that's very high quality, and then just rolling the dice with that. I know people love the Red Mills and the Pamela's gluten-free mixes. I think it's rice flour. I don't know. But they'll like take the like Pamela's pancake mix and bake everything you've ever baked using that as the flour. Mm. And I'm sure there's, there's treats and tricks to it. But mm-hmm. coconut flour, I don't think I have ever used in my life. I like using rice flour a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is already gluten-free, eh? I think so. I don't ever. I mean, it's funny. These I I think rice flour is, but I don't know because I've never checked. I kind of have I'm, the same feeling I'm too. Kind of positive, and we but like at the we same should time, know like, that Ugh. as people who do a food podcast. But I guess <laughs> it's not a gluten free podcast. <coughs> God, what's more depressing than a gluten free podcast? Good point. It's like doing a podcast about miniature golf or something. Next question: J M Oaks. Maybe too serious. This is this is a serious question. But genre versus lifestyle for health issues that arise during your life. How are there two for example, how are there so many healthy food options in hospitals in Japan versus the awful food options at hospitals in America? I'm only basing this off of a BuzzFeed article I saw. <laughs> it's great. I don't read it again cuz I don't uh, the use of genre is confusing me. Um, it is does a little... He, cause does he mean types of food, culturally specific traditions, or traits that you find in other countries? Maybe too serious, but... Oh, sorry, not genres. Genes versus lifestyle. I typed that wrong. Genes versus lifestyle for health issues that arise during life. 
<laughs> so I guess kind of like nature versus nurture. Right. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I... I... What's the term for people over 100? Oh, like the people in the blue zone? Something Trinitarians. Yeah, centa- hun- cent- hun- centaurs. Centaurs, yeah. And then half people- man, half old person. <laughs> that's that's, that's right. right. Uh, I th- the, the, yeah, the, nature the biggest ver- collection of them, I guess, are, is like in a small area of Japan, and all they do is garden. And also in Loma Linda, California. No. Yeah. Is it a population of two people, and one of them is 105? No, it's a real thing. You so should look like it up. So 50% of the people here are over 100 years old. No, it's a whole thing because it's a, a wow. Seventh-day Adventist community, mm-hmm. and a lot of the people there are health food peeps, and yep. they have all these interesting rules and regulations. of. For our listeners, Loma Linda is like a city that's like an hour east of L.A., like kind of on the way to Palm Springs kind of thing. Do they not allow computers or smartphones? They do, and that's also where all of the a lot of like the medical schools in this area mm. are. So it's a big health food community, big, uh, and like there's there's like no liquor stores. There's all these interesting things about. It. I actually saw it because the LA episode of Eddie Wong's show on Vice. He goes there and hangs out for a day, mm. and I learned a bunch about it. I think that there's a lot to be said about about the the lifestyle and not just the genes. I mean, obviously sure. the genes. I mean, everyone is like everyone has like, oh, my grandma drank a drank a glass of whiskey and smoked a pack of cigarettes yeah. every day and had a steak for dinner and lived to 102. So you don't care what you say, but uh, it, there really is a lot to say about that. You got to stay active mentally and physically. Yeah, I think what always kind of blows my mind and. I, I'm not, you know, it's not like I have an education in nutrition or anything, but like when you look at really, really simple common sense things, it's basically a through line from everything you've ever read about nutrition and healthy eating. Mm -hmm. Don't smoke. Don't Mm -hmm. drink. Don't be sedentary. Mm -hmm. Have a good balance of proteins, vegetables, and fruits, and the majority of your calories should be from healthy, organic vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's then you look at like we talk about blue zones, or we talk about, or the, and this is about food in in hospitals uh, in Japan and how they're healthier than the U.S. I think that's a really good example that comes down to intrinsically what we consider food culturally. And I don't even know this article on BuzzFeed, and I've never been to a hospital in Japan. Hope to one day. But you can. I mean, um, just but based- I mean, it's like if you think French fries are food, you're going to be unhealthy. They're not food, <laughs> right? Not food. They're calories. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you need calories for energy to do something, absolutely, it's just flavor. But if you find that to be kind of a daily driver, then you're. That's a that's an indication that you're gonna fucking die. Look, at the end of the day, you're not wrong in the sense that, like, if you look at that as food, you're not wrong. It's not food. That's food for you. You eat that. Mm-hmm. But if you think somehow that bucks the trend of, in the face of everything we understand that that's more unhealthy than you know a steamed vegetable, it's like at the end, like, so what do you need to know? Do you need to find someone to tell you that it's healthy, and then you're like? Well, this guy fucking wrote about that it's healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really an, an incredible amount of simple common sense about eating. It's like, are you overweight? Do you have a, a genetic predilection to not processing food well? No. Then it's probably your diet mm-hmm. or your lack of exercise. Like, it's not, it's not one of those things where potentially a mental issue. And I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out, but it's like, it's not really rocket science. There's no secret code. Well, that's why it's so fascinating and people will talk about it until the earth explodes is because it is so easy to know how right and it's so hard for us to actually do i mean another elephant in the room too is western medicine and big pharma where we have also developed a way or at least some people have an expectation they can go to a doctor and they can take a pill to fix things as opposed to change their diet or eat something they don't like as much as a burger and fries they can take Lipitor for cholesterol and, and not change their, their exercise 
mm-hmm. daily life. They don't change their diet. They, I mean, and, and then when that pill gives them kidney failure, you have to they have to take another pill to fix that, and then you take another pill right. to fix that, which gives you that, and then you're on eighteen different pills. So and some your people body have is a wasteland, right? Some people have genetics, and some people have um, health issues that cause those remedies to be necessary, like Lipitor. When you have genetic high cholesterol, it's not a diet issue. But then that bleeds into people that want to keep eating a certain way, and then that also kind of functions for them. And and then they see, I don't know, the, and then that person is somebody's grandparent, and their kid's like, yeah, well, my grandparent eats like that, and he's fine. Like, uh, all these health nuts out there are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um and I think those kind of those really subtle things tend to bleed into different cultures where it's more accepted. And I think the United States is an example of a Western culture that is much more accepting of an unhealthy lifestyle maintained by pharmaceuticals. And we can learn all about that in Netflix's Okja 2017. Yeah. I give it a 42 out of 100. It's a low rating. Next question, Megan Corpus. What is your opinion on an air fryer? Is it as good as deep frying? No. <laughs> no, hell no. God, no. I've, I've never used an air fryer, but I think it's probably trash, and it's like a home shopping network thing, and there's no way that it's going to be good. There, I mean... <laughs> they're not... I mean, there's a, there's a famous vegetarian restaurant in Santa Cruz called Dharma's that used to be called McDharma's, and then was sued by McDonald's. Mm-hmm. But they had a... Uh, incredibly good sandwich called the Nuclear Bluff that was basically a Philly cheesesteak. It was like seitan on a Kaiser Nuclear roll. Nuclear Bluff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was like seitan with melted cheese on this roll with way too much <laughs> mayo. It was vegetarian, not vegan. Mm-hmm. And it was so good, but it was, it was unhealthy as anything that has meat in it. Mm-hmm. But it came with a side of air fries. <laughs> and they're not that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. in a way, like... It's better than just a boiled potato. Yeah. And it's a little healthier. You use less oil. But is it like, it's nowhere near even, it's like, it's almost don't call it a fry. Mm-hmm. Call it something else. I call think it the a thing that. Air crisp potato I w- slice. Because it's fucking not roasted. a French fry. The thing that I worry about with the air frying is like, you're using less oil because the oil is sort of being like weaponized in, in the air. Yeah. But I think when you have it on that, lowered molecular level it's allowing the oil to seep into whatever you're frying even more is what it feels like whereas opposed to deep frying from what i've heard from people who know what know more about this than we do like if you if you fry something in a clean high quality oil at the perfect correct temperature it's going to absorb less oil. It's going to absorb less oil than if you're just stir-frying it in a tablespoon of oil in your saute pan or whatever. Like, right. Well, it's going to absorb, yeah, depending on what you're talking about, more than a tablespoon of oil. But when you, when you try and bake with oil to try and mimic deep-frying um, and you find yourself like, oh, I need to use more oil, it's absorbing the oil, or it's not crisping, mm-hmm. it's because you're not at a high enough temperature for that oil to do what it's supposed to do. So a lot of times... Even though people aren't using deep fryers, they're, it's more unhealthy than a really like highly tuned deep fryer yeah, with a much better result and a, and a worthwhile amount of cooking. Like You can make potatoes in the oven that are as good as French fries, but it needs incredibly high heat. And you need to know what you're doing, and there's a lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on there that's like... And your roasted potatoes that you toss in olive oil and garlic and rosemary and salt and pepper are probably going to have more oil absorption than the french fries that you get at In-N-Out. Or you're lo- yeah, or you're looking at the same with the or, with or a, with be a poor result. Mm-hmm. And one of them they're both going to taste But an great. air fryer uses like a couple drops of oil. I mm-hmm. mean, that's I think an air fryer, I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't think that's the example of an air fryer. I've also never air fried. Yeah. That uses almost no oil, just very mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, and, and they're I don't know. Yeah, they're not great, but <laughs> Also, it's kind of like those air pop popcorn is awful. Like those yeah. little popcorn makers that like you would, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess they still sell them, but I feel like it's from the 80s. Like you yeah. like, kids, popcorn. Mm-hmm. And you just dump with no oil popcorn in one of those little things and it spits it out in a bowl, right? It's popcorn. Mm-hmm. It's not very good. No. But if it's good enough for you and it has no oil and you're like, yeah, this is great. More power to you. 
that's where that like psychosomatic factor kicks in of like you it tastes better because you know that it's healthier even though it doesn't taste better so i think mm-hmm. i don't know maybe you should try an air fryer and see if you like it but no it's garbage <laughs> and uh her follow-up question favorite pedialyte flavor you already know it's clear unflavored for me mm. Uh, next question, Young Netscape. I'm cooking for Bay. <laughs> I'm cooking yeah, for. Yeah, we're Bay. gonna skip this question. Uh, young Netscape. He's Bay the and Young Netscape. Young in the, Netscape. In, this, is... in the first three words, we're gonna skip this question. <laughs> he's cooking for Bay for the first time. Okay, he's nervous. He's cooking for Bay for the first time. The stew is here for you. What is a good and easy meal for me to make for Bay? Bless up and keep killing it. And and I said I will bless you with this advice. <coughs> Cook well, it once before you make the meal for Bay, bruh. Mm, that's a great piece of that's advice. That's even better than a recipe or a dish. Mm-hmm. And and in his follow up I said, <clears throat> could you specify a little bit more as to what type of cuisine? And he said, perhaps Italian, but something that's not spaghetti and meatballs. Mm. And I and I think that is a great way to get a nice impressive meal. Bay mm-hmm. always loves a, a home cooked pasta. Mm-hmm. Pasta is a lot Me more. Too. It's very forgiving if you are extremely don't, if you don't nail it perfectly more than say cooking a piece of meat that you can overcook or something like that. I would say go for the carbonara. Mm-hmm. I would say hit the carbonara when you make it. The only thing you really have to worry about is don't scramble the eggs, and I would just. I like to. Mm, I mean, not the only thing. Well, if you're talking about that's making, the biggest way you can if you're fuck making, it up. if you're talking about carbonara with finishing traditionally with a raw yolk, is that what you're talking about? Tempering the yolk. I am. I mean, you have to have had that texture and taste before, and the other person has to, and they have Bay to likes like it. it. Bay likes it. I. I mean, I know a million people that don't like a raw. Like even in, um, and even in kimchi stew. I know people that really get bummed on the the egg going in. It's it it coats your tongue in a weird way. It changes the flavor. Of None things. of those people listen to a food podcast. Fair. This person's never cooked anything before, too. <laughs> Apparently, from the question, we're going carbonara. All you're right. gonna you're gonna cook that. You're gonna and you don't need to buy fresh pasta. You can just get make sure you get dry Italian pasta, but a good quality pasta that's imported from Italy and not an American made one. Yeah. And you can just go to your local Italian deli market should have something. Um, and if, if not, I'm sure Whole Foods has a couple things that are good. Just get something that looks nice and cool and rustic and a couple of dollars more than the regular one. And then you cook that, cook that pancetta down or that, uh, if, if you can get it, the, uh, whatchamacallit? Guanciale. The guanciale. Just cook that down in the pot in the pan on medium, not not too hot. You want it to go slow, render the fat out, pull those guys out. You want to boil that pasta. The pasta will be very forgiving when it's dry and cook easily. You get a big mixing bowl that you would put your popcorn in. Put some a couple of yolks in there, stir them up, crack a shitload of black pepper in there, grate a bunch of Parmigiano Reggiano, stir it all up. Put the guanciale chunks in there. Put the hot pasta straight out of the water in there and then just stir it for like a minute straight and that egg will absorb. It'll cook a little bit. It'll warm through and you'll never, you'll never scramble your eggs and turn it all gross. And if it gets too dry, put a little bit, a little ladle of the pasta water in there. And that's a luxurious flavor. That's a very luxurious flavor. And it's fun to make. It is. That's a good one. Don't make it too soupy. Looks like Andre's got an ace up his sleeve, though. No, no. I was also just thinking that that's a really good example that doesn't require any kind of special equipment. I would be surprised if anybody can't make that in their kitchen with what they have. Yeah, it all comes together in just a bowl. Just a bowl. That's it. Um, I think a really good skill and an impressive thing to do is (coughs) a steak. Um, I feel like... Um, the only, then I kind of thought about what you were saying and, and realizing it, it's really kind of important sometimes to have a nice cast iron skillet to make steaks in. I mean, even, even good stainless steel, I find slightly different results, but mm-hmm. take a nice pan, put it in the oven at the hottest setting for a half an hour. As you start that, let your meat come, pull your meat out of the refrigerator, let it come to temperature in the room for that half an hour, salt it. I don't pepper my steaks. So I would just salt it, 
Um, do you think a half an hour is enough time to leave out, or do you want to go a full hour? I mean, if you're doing like inch and a half steaks, yeah, I think you're probably okay. But you could leave it out for an hour, two hours. I mean, look, I, I, that stuff doesn't scare me that much, so I'll leave it out mm-hmm. kind of somewhat indefinitely. But and I don't do pepper either because it's just going to burn when uh, that high heat. So that pan goes in for half an hour, and then it goes at your highest setting on your burner for five minutes. No oil. Um, you're going to oil your steak right before you're going to put it on. Um, you're not gonna... in the pan because it'll just instantly burn. No, not in the pan. You're going to only oil a steak. Uh, you're going to put kind that of oil? in. Um, you could use grapeseed oil. Um, you could use peanut. I mean, you can use peanut. Peanut has more of a flavor than, than grapeseed to me. Canola. Um, you want a neutral oil. You use canola. I mean, I do it with olive oil, and I don't really find that much of a problem. If your question was, like, what kind of oil as far as, like, what kind of smoke point and high-temperature oils, I mean, I'm fine with olive oil. I use olive oil, too. But some people might argue higher. But they'll say use the regular and not the super nice, expensive, extra virgin olive oil. Right. That you would... The finishing oil versus a cooking oil. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes in, say, if it's an inch and a half, like ribeye or New York, I would say it goes in for, I would, two minutes on the burner, mm. okay? And then you flip it, and you let it go for another two minutes. Mm. Then you put it back in the oven at that super high heat, I would say, for another minute. And you pull that out, and you let it rest for 10 minutes, do you wrap it in foil or you let it sit out on a plate? Wrap it in foil. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, cover it. Um, and that's and you have to like a pretty solid medium rare steak. Mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, and then... Ten minutes, too. Don't, don't rush. Then mm-hmm. find a really nice vinaigrette that you like. Mm. Nice salad, mm. butter lettuce, some chive, dill. Mm-hmm. Make a nice herb salad. Make and a Hasselback potato. That's just kidding. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 might be not really entry level. Um, but yes, I, I really like a big salad, a couple of cheese curds, a on big the side. red, and a nice steak. That would be my that'd be my meal. Just like too much salad and a loud California red. But practice guaranteed toppy either of these dishes before you do it. It's, that is the best. That is the best advice that you could give somebody. Don't make something for the first time for bay. And that's that, and we're not even talking about it in the kitchen anymore. Mm-mm. We're talking about life. Mm-mm. Uh, Pod bro, Sean. What up, Sean? What holiday snack is trash, i.e. fruitcake? And I was going to say fruitcake. Fucking fruitcake is it. Yeah, you nailed it. Fruitcake is... is don't give us the answer. It is for sure trash. Peppermint bark. Oh, yeah. I don't like a peppermint bark. I also don't like a candy cane at all. I like a candy cane. I'll eat a candy cane. Yeah, you will. I'll have like one or two. You know what's good are the Jolly Rancher candy canes. Have you ever gone on the candy aisle and seen the turnt candy canes? Jolly Rancher candy canes? Jolly Rancher. They make a sweet tart. Damn. They make like a runt candy cane. I think I need to start smoking as much weed as you are, buddy, because yeah. that sounds like a stony stony treat yeah or you just go to albertson's and just go look at them in the candy aisle (laughs) he also says what is the best unconventional christmas meal which is a good question i mean i've always loved the our jewish friends having chinese food on christmas day that's 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 a a christmas meal or is that just jewish people eating on a holiday they don't celebrate it's an unconventional christmas meal is eating chinese food on christmas day because (laughs) A, it's the only restaurant that's, that's a fun one. In though, town I agree. That's open on that's Christmas a, Day. That's a fun one. I like that one. Um, I don't. I've never really had that many unconventional unconventional Christmas meals. Unfortunately, my uncle, my Christmas meals are always wildly conventional. My uncle every year for the holidays would make panacotta once a year, and that's when he would do it. Panacotta. No, panacotta. Oh, panacotta. Yeah. Banyakata for our listeners at home. That's the uh, some veggies dipped in a uh, a warmed over vinaigrette sauce that's ripe with anchovy. That's the one. And that's a that's a good treat right there. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, look up. It's, it's spelled B A N G A C A U D A. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Banyakata. I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. It's close to that. It's something like that. Yeah. 
But yeah, you kind of get a you you get a little cup and you light a little tea candle underneath it to keep it warm. That's the one. And you just get a real anchovy forward warm vinaigrette and dip dip your your fruit frutes de garden. I think it's in, you know what it's a funny. blanched asparagus spear. Ooh, slide it in. These questions about like less traditional or this or that. I it's it's. Interesting to me because I go in the exact opposite direction. Mm. I want to do the most traditional thing the best way I possibly can. Because mm. um, that's fun to me. So when I think of when somebody's asking about untraditional things, my brain just goes, why? But okay, make anything you've never had on Christmas. Like if there's a reason to while out, what is that? Like is it... I mean, what would that dish be? Is there a reason for it? I mean, I guess if you think about the holidays, it's about people coming together. And if you want to go non-traditional, like, okay, don't make a roast. Then make the most personal, specific thing to you regardless. Like, did you grow up and your biggest memory of food as a kid was your dad's chili? Like, make chili. Mm. Make something that you can tell a story about your family or a holiday time or make the worst meal you've ever had, but it tastes good. Mm. So you can tell that story about when you got stuck in an airport, like going on a job over like Memorial Day or something, mm. and this made you sick. And you like do something that has a narrative, do something that is personal to your mm. family, do something that's fun, and let that be your direction for something that's less traditional. If you don't want to make a roast, if you want to do me, do the best roast you possibly can and make that as traditional as possible. And then that's fun to make everybody dress up or something, which I've never done in my life, but maybe do that. Be so conventional that it's unconventional. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you're, wit- you're witnessing an Andre Conoparo masterclass. I don't think so, but those are my recommendations. He's, he, he's, the, he's the Werner Herzog of holiday ideas right now. This is peak Conoparo. Next question Media, my friend from San Francisco, she says a very oddly and annoyingly specific question. I want a recipe for a really awesome garlic aioli Afghan-inspired yogurt sauce to put on eggs with turmeric. Pass. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's going to be a pass for me. It sounds like... in. You just invented your the sauce that you want by listing all of those ingredients in that question. Just mix I, all of the things that you said together and put it on some eggs with turmeric. And when then... I think of, <laughs> I don't know, when I think of Afghan food, I think of a lot of kebabs or a lot of goat or lamb. So um, make, find, an aio- find somebody that you like who makes aioli. There's a million different ways to make it, but it's going to be eggs. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to do that, and then you're going to put garlic in it. And season it with some kind of kebab mix that maybe you like. Mm. You season it with some mint and um, some See, sour lime or I don't know. I oh, mean, that's whatever. good. That's good. I think because uh, my brain was going like Aleppo pepper kind of that kind of harissa e world. That'd be but good. then I think the inclusion of mint in that is really what's going to set it off. So you get but your, I only think of mint because I think of lamb. Like I don't mean, uh, but yeah, but no, mint's but that's in there. good. That's I like fun. that. Make you make you a minty garlic aioli. That's going to be good. Get get a head of garlic, cut the top off, roast it in the oven covered in aluminum foil for forty five minutes. Squeeze out those caramelized roasted garlic eggs into a bowl. Turmeric eggs sounds a little too on the nose. And then get that, mix it with some uh, in the mortar and pestle with some mint leaves. Some some nice mayonnaise, maybe a QP if you want to ball out, salt, pep, and some of those sour limes. That's a good idea. A little bit of that that limey flavor, and then yeah, boom, get some get some interesting Middle Eastern bread. Smear a little bit of that aioli on it. Get your uh, turmeric scramby eggs, soft scramby, right on top. A little sumac dusted on top, and you have a little little basic. But cool Afghan toast. Yeah. Mm, Afghan toast again. Harold, Mm. my other friend from San Francisco. What up, Harold? You are stranded on a deserted island. What three Chipotle ingredients would you bring? Deserted island. (laughs) I just thought of a deserted, like desserts, like (laughs) Candyland, the island. (laughs) 
Um, beans. You go. Are we think? Because uh, are we thinking beans, rice, and guacamolito sauce? I don't know. Beans and rice, dude. Uh, I don't. I've eaten Chipotle once. Yeah, Never I don't again. Really, I, I, it's kind of like: Are we picking our three fave ingredients, or are we picking what will make us survive? What will make us survive? I pick a gun. I pick a lighter. <laughs> I pick Danzig one. I'm Those are the get... three things from Chipotle that I need Ooh, on a desert island. I'm going. I'm going. My my curveball. Good idea. Tortillas. I mean, it's. It's a great idea. Because we're going to... I mean, I'm saying, when you think of ingredients from Chipotle, you're not thinking... The tortilla seems like a given, but yeah. it's not a given when we're on a deserted island. The guacamole, it's going to go bad. Yeah. But beans and rice, you'll be able to live off of that forever. Yeah, so beans and rice, and I guess a little avo if you want to be if you want to be nasty, because then you need a little treat when you're desert, deserted by yourself. And I've heard that avocado is good fat. It is good fat. And I'm surprised you didn't reach for the Coke Zero Fountain drink, because that's an ingredient. Andre, I mean, I'd probably take that over the avocado. I wouldn't pick the chips because the Chipotle, they're too salty. Look, I have, le- I mean, my Coke Zero intake for the listeners is probably like two a week. So That's high. But I think about it more than I drink it. So let's just <laughs> put it that way. Coke Zero is bae. Last question from the infamous Mr. Cucumber. Oh, what up, what up? <laughs> Mr. Cucumber. The water baguette himself. Mr. C. <laughs> Greetings, Mr. Jeans. My question is twofold. What do you predict will become the Instagram food culture trend of 2025? The answer is cucumbers. The answer, do you think cucumbers is going to, I think we're going to have to. What's the Instagram trend of 2018? What is the question? What do you predict will become like the, like the hot, cool food trend of not because everyone's asking 2018, but he's going one better. It's going to be restaurants that you take pictures of your food in beyond what we do now, right? Don't they have like those fun rooms where the whole point is you go take your selfie in front of them? Like, uh, like the ice cream museum. Is that what that is? I have never been. I just kind of assumed it was an ice cream museum. The ice cream museum is just like an excuse to take pictures okay. for people who don't know. What I to think take there's going to be of. restaurants that. Like unabashedly, or just like come take photos here. Like if the ice cream museum, like it's not even like we damn. make Instagram friendly food for you to show your friends. It's going to be the fun room of restaurants yeah. on top of maybe food that's edible. Damn, I mean that's a great that's a great idea and a great guess. But what I fear is that we're we're predicting that's going to be in 2025, which is oh 2025. I thought it was 2018. No, he said 2025. Oh, I meant next year. So, yeah, your idea is for sure going to happen, but it's going to be sooner than 2025. I'm guessing hopefully by 2025, we're just all dead. Um, I plan on it. (laughs) 2025, I don't know. What is happening in 2025? I think by 2025... There will be Instagrams of people that are cooking in their cars because it's all automated driving. Damn, Andre has good ones No more glove boxes, baby. Just toaster ovens. Holy shit. Yeah, there's going to be Korean mukbang videos all over the place, but it's going to be going down inside of their self-driving cars. See. And all the cars are going to have sex in 2025. <laughs> yeah, they're going to fuck. Damn, that's, those are, that's honestly a great, a great guess. Secondly, if the stew became a TV show, <laughs> who would be our equivalent of Letterman's Paul Schaefer? Mm. And it's, it's my brother, Chris Stewart. I, I was, was going to say your brother. <laughs> He's uh He's but a, the the problem with that, Stewie has a a rich, full head of hair. More, much yeah. more than I mean. Both Andre and I have great, strong heads of hair. My brother, he is he's got like three M Teflon Kevlar head of hair. It's true. And Paul Schaefer is as bald as the night is dark. What's what's Zach Brooks's hair look like? It ain't looking so good up top. Zach feel, Brooks is gonna be the Paul Schaefer because I feel like I always see him in a hat. Um. Brooks, Brooks, Brooks is like he's no Fabio mo- up top. He's I'll been on the podcast the most, right? Probably. I'm yeah. not even doing Paul. Sha- I'm not. I don't even know Paul Schaefer that well. <sighs> mm-hmm. 
uh, as far as the Letterman <clears throat> reference. Like I, so my uh, what I'm saying is I guess the person we have on the podcast the most is Zach. So maybe Zach. It's going to be in 2025. We will be able to link my brother and Zach Brooks together in uh, in a centaur like being that is both. They're going to be over a hundred. <laughs> They're going to be over. Well, when you put their ages together by 2025, we're going to be over a hundred. Damn. Which is fucked up. Damn centaurians. Yeah, those damn centaurians. And they're gonna, there's, they're gonna be bald, and they're gonna be really good at piano. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Mr. Cucumber. Mm. And thank you all, you guys, for listening for this year. It's been a, it's been the best year for the Sioux by far. Yeah, guys. Tons of exponential growth across all platforms. Andre Conoparo had a very strong showing on our last pod of the day, dropping insights that um, last pod of the year. Sorry. What, this one? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Andre, Andre killed it. That's just my opinion. I'm so good at this. <clears throat> and the best part about Andre, he does have no social media, so keep not tagging him on all of that. And you can follow me on social media at them jeans. And you can go to the stewpodcast.com where all the episodes live and all the artwork is living. And uh, shout-outs to our moms. I don't have one, but what's the best thing you ate this week? Ooh, the best thing I ate this week um, was our friend Du. Um, this week she had, uh, she had a Russian-themed dinner party a couple days ago and was nice enough to invite me. And you really... There's a bunch of different dishes, some more enjoyable than others, like... On the low end spectrum, like the, the the salad Olivier, which is basically potato salad with peas and chicken in it. Oh yeah. More on the lower spectrum of flavor, and then up on the higher spectrum, probably the best thing I ate was a freshly made blini, yeasted blini, which I've never had before, which was fire. <coughs> so like you make the blini batter and you kind of ferment it with yeast and let it let it build, and then. Uh, Still warm blini from the pan, creme fraiche, caviar, uh, microplaned egg yolk, some chopped chive, and you'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a better bite than that for this week. Wow, that was a the do made the blinis. Do made the blinis. Very impressive. They're delish. Yeah, they sound like it. Mm-hmm. I'm going with chestnuts. Chestnuts. Yeah. Imported Italian. Damn, hell yeah. I mean, it was that. And also, Michelle's Rice Krispie Treat. Oh, yeah. That's another fire one this year. We, we do need to do a full episode. Maybe, maybe next episode we'll do the best things we ate all year and start 2018 off with a bang. Or we just won't. Uh, <coughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see how our week's looking. I'm still sick. There you go. Thank you, guys. We love you for listening, and have a great new year, and we'll see you guys in 2018. Thank you. Happy holidays. Burp.